Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we stream the episode to the wrong channel for like 10 minutes, and then have to get notified by Moki in chat, and then we um come to the right place eventually. And here we are. Like, okay. It's yeah. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just singing it. <laughs> if I was making fun of it, I would have added more gents. That's fair. Nobody likes gents. How's it going today, Cat? <laughs> pretty, pretty weird. <laughs> hey, it's been. What if there's a wrestling persona, right? Um, whose is his whole his whole gimmick is. The savage gent, but it's spelled like the music thing rather than gentleman. Then he would sound horrible, and I hope Victor Benjamin kicks his ass. <laughs> That's fair. Nachos was a good call. Good to know. I had matzah and stabbed yourself. <laughs> stabbed myself on like the bottom of my tongue, like right on a salivary gland. A piece of matzah just wedged itself under my tongue and it was like, I stab at thee. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. Uh, so yeah, it's been about a month since we've done this. Because Marsh just kind of got away from us. Mm-hmm. And certain wrestlers that we liked turned out to be scumbags. Yeah, well, that seems to happen every few weeks, so. Yeah, I mean... At this rate. <laughs> I'm having a hard time getting heartbroken about it anymore. But yeah, also, Aaron, Eric has a good point. Matzah doesn't believe in hell. That's fair. You know, it's still a cool thing to say. And sometimes you gotta go with the cool thing over what you believe. That's fair. We've got wrestling to talk about, and then we've got a movie to talk about. Yep. The movie isn't quite wrestling. But it is. It You'll is. You'll see. You'll, it, 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 it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a, a nice little treat. We also have a small jocking off segment that I want to do, specifically just to talk about a show that I've been watching. Okay. But we'll do that right before we do the movie talk. Yes. Let's get into wrestling. So do we, what do we want to start with? Cassandra Cup? Start with the Cassandra Cup, because we actually have to explain something else for this first. Yes. In that last year there was the Masked Wrestler segment on IWTV. Which Aaron predicted nearly flawlessly. Hey, I'm pretty good at this kind of thing. Like, um, impressed a lot of people with your level of accuracy. None of them called me to be on their podcast, though. Okay, well, Jeff Stormer doesn't have a I wasn't going to say podcast. his name. <laughs> I am. We can have Jeff on this podcast, though. I'm sure he'd do it. So yeah, with the Masked Wrestler of the Tournament last year, they got down to the finals, and it was a character named Gen Genki? Genkai? Genkai, like from Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah. Who won and thus got a shot at the independent wrestling champion Warhorse mm -hmm. at a time when they could. It so was that, happened... what was that? That was at New South? 
New South Big Hoss Tournament. Yep. They were the main event on the second night. Mm-hmm. And so Warhorse, Warhorse comes out. He's getting all ready. And then the, the music hits for Genkai, and I started freaking out. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you were right. Come, you had called it. Come, yeah. Lee Moriarty. Yep. The, probably the best wrestler in North America. Yep. <laughs> and after that whole mass wrestler tournament, like, you can't have him win that whole tournament and then lose to Warhorse. He's yeah. got to go over in that. Yep. So, an amazing match. Incredible. Yep. And yeah, Lee Moriarty went over in that one and is now the independent wrestling champion. And that sets him up for a match against the winner of the Cassandro Cup in Tampa in the next... Mm-hmm. Is it this weekend? Or is it next weekend? It's this weekend. The going home shows are right now. Wait, is WrestleMania this weekend? I think so. Time has no meaning. No, it's next weekend. It's next weekend? Okay. Yeah, no, it's the 10th and the 11th. Okay. That probably makes more sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Lee Moriarty and the winner of the Cassandra Cup will have a match at one of the shows during Mania Weekend. Or Mania Week, I guess. Yes! Cassandra Cup is named after Cassandro the Exotico from Mexico, who we watched at Big Gay Brunch last year. Yes. Who was, and still is, a phenomenal pioneer in queer wrestling. And And so, to, like, cement that, they wanted to put on this tournament in his name. Right. And, like, it it, it was important, like, I think, like, particularly with how abruptly we seem to lose the wrestlers we care about most various things because a lot of wrestlers die very young mm-hmm. it was noted that it's pretty goddamn important to recognize people for their contributions while you still can rather than after it's too late so you know give people their roses now while they're still there to appreciate them because Otherwise, you're just patting yourself on the back for whatever. And that's where the origin of the Cassandra Cup tournament comes from. It's this drive to honor the pioneers while they're still around. So that you don't have to regret not having appreciated them enough. And Cassandra had to deal with a lot of homophobia. All kinds of bullshit. And like... Without him in wrestling, we wouldn't have, like, all of the queer wrestlers we do today. And that's that's an important thing to recognize and honor, and they, they put on a hell of a goddamn tournament for it. Yeah, it was a one-night tournament. Everyone worked their asses off. Mm-hmm. Especially the the uh, finalists mm-hmm. <laughs> who had to do like three matches that day. <laughs> they 
I, okay, so it was pre-taped, though. Yeah, it it's still a lot. Right, but it's not like a live show if you're doing four matches in two hours versus doing four matches over the course of a day. Right, like with it being pre-taped, you have that advantage, which is a small one, but still a useful one. Mm-hmm. Would we like to go down the bracket, maybe? I'd love that. So we had in our opening round matches, Ashton Starr and Jared Evans. Edith Surreal, formerly known as Still Life with the Apricots and Pears, mm-hmm. against Erica Lay, and Killian McMurphy and Molly McCoy with uh, AC Mack getting a bye through the first round. Mm-hmm. So, Anything about the first round really stuck out to you? Because I can probably talk about a couple of things. <laughs> if you'd like to, I was playing Parkitect and kind of missed it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, to be fair, in my defense, we were building Piss World USA. I know you are. We have a, in Parkitect, Erica, Emma, and I are working on a piss-themed, uh, amusement park all of the water is yellow all of the rides are pee themed it's great yes Aaron he's <laughs> no it is you Eric Bell's house okay so the start of the show was Ashen Star and Jared Evans and this might be the most shit talking I've heard mm-hmm. in a match in forever <laughs> there's a lot like, of shit talking like I'm talking sitting front row at a local show and just yelling at the guys I know mm-hmm. <laughs> while they're in the ring that much shit talking well because this was a closed taping it was all performers as the mm-hmm. crowd right so they were able to shit talk their friends without it being heckling you know yep and it was all in the ring. It all made sense. Mm-hmm. But it was hilarious. And I absolutely love it. No, it was, I mean, like, this whole tournament was good. Um, Molly McCoy versus Killian McMurphy was a fun match. I remember kind of tuning in for that one. Mentally. Yeah, it was kind of a brutal one there. Yeah, I know. I love, I love a good brutal match. Yep. You know, Molly, Molly got to hell which is you know good for her unfortunate in it i was really hoping molly would go further in the tournament yeah but you know showing up still counts um on an unrelated note semi-related note you should buy merch from molly mccoy so that they can get themselves a weighted blanket (laughs) that's their next big purchase is a good weighted blanket that Which I respect. I respect it. I have not slept without my weighted blanket in like two years. Yeah, no, they're good. They, they do what they're supposed to. Yeah, they created a wall in the bed so you can't snuggle. Uh, <laughs> I am. I didn't mean that part, I'm but kidding. okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> If you roll them up, you can use them as a blunt weapon. 
Yep. <laughs> okay, or you can simulate being choked. So yeah, we start out with a big, a really good shit-talking match in Asantar and Jared Evans. We had a really good, like, brawl with Kelly McMurphy and Molly McCoy. And a really good technical match with Edith Surreal and Erica Lee. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they put on a very good match. It, it, I think, like, um, Edith Surreal, who at the time was still being booked as Still Life with Apricots and Pears, yeah. which they put a disclaimer at the front, like, hey, she changed her name. But we got her pronouns correct because she was saying she her at the time. Yeah, I mean, like, that was just... Very, very enjoyable. Like, and that led into the semifinal matches with Edith Surreal and Killian McMurphy mm-hmm. and Asha Star and AC Mack, both of which brought new gear from what they were going to wear in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very, it's like, there's just like, it was, it was good. It was a lot. Of stuff mm-hmm. going on. There were some there were some support patches too for the tournament. Right? Yeah. We had the Britney Spears Open Invitational. <laughs> which uh, open invitational? I don't get it. Either an open or it's an invitational. It's sexually open. <laughs> that is not I'm just saying that. <laughs> no, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Because that match had Brooke Valentine, Ariel Nix, Russell Rogue, Corinne Mink, and Eddie McQueen. Yes, and I think this is specifically Corinne Mink's last match because I believe Corinne has retired to go to law school. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. All the best. Yeah. No, that that was a like it was a it was a you know got the opportunity and wanted to step away while the while it was good and you know on a high note while it's you know I I, I get that you know you've got to commit to one thing fully and especially if you're studying law yeah don't don't half-ass studying law for professional wrestling. Wrestling will always be a bit afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. We also had the Kings of the District, who is Eel O'Neill and Jordan Blade, taking mm-hmm. on Bussy. Sorry, say that again. Bussy? Nope. Oh, jeez. I always get this wrong. Um, Bussy. <laughs> Why would it be named Bussy? Aaron, do you not know what bussy means? I do, but I'm doing a bit right now. Okay, well, I'll go with you. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with you on this bit. Uh, okay, so yes and me here. Aaron, do you not know what bussy means? No, can you explain this? It's boy pussy. Oh. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that makes half sense. Because Effie is gay. Right. Yeah. And Alley Cat is a cat, so he's a boy. He's a cat. You mash those together and you get bussy. 
Oh. Guess that makes sense. Chad is asking, Effie is gay? I know, I didn't believe it at first either. I know, right? The guy who hosts Big Gay Brunch and screams unlimited twinks. Still one of the best rope moments of that weekend. Yeah, that was a very good match. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Pussy versus the Kings of the District. Which saw uh, Eel O'Neill and Jordan Blade go, go over in this one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to tell you any specifics because I can't pull them up right now. But like, it was a good match. Okay, it's Ill O'Neill, Jordan Blade, Effie, and Ali Cat. It's going to be a good match. Yeah, no. Um, it, it, worth noting that Bussy is zero and two now. Yep. Yeah. Some teams just get together for the bit and don't get very far. They worked well together. They they work well together. It's just that they get booked because they're so yeah you know, they're popular. It's not gonna hurt them to get booked to I lose, know. right? Like yeah. people are still gonna love Effie and Ellie Cat. It's kind of like how you can book Nala Rose to lose quite a bit because she's huge and will still crush everyone, and mm-hmm. we all know that, <laughs> right? You can uh, and also has a built-in fan base of literally every trans person. Yep. Um, she is gay wrath. <laughs> um, we also had MV Young versus uh Devin Monroe. Which okay, if you're only gonna watch one of the side matches in, in this event, make it the next match. But definitely go back and check out MV and Devin Monroe as well. Absolutely, that's a phenomenal match. And I'm like, you know, we're we're. What one might consider marks for uh, MV. We're kind of in a cult. We're we're in a cult and relationship. We are part of the sixteen thousand. We aren't. Yeah, it's MV Young and extraneous fifteen thousand nine hundred ninety-eight other partners are on the polycule chart. Oh, it was updated the other day to 16,038. Okay, I will have to change <laughs> the number on the polycule chart. That's okay. Um, Have we ever tweeted that polycule chart at Amphi Young? No, I think we were going to, and then we decided to start drinking instead. Oh, well, okay. I, I was also high at the time, almost assuredly. If, yeah, it's a, if, if it's a weekend and I'm not working, I'm gonna be high. It's just fun. Like, I do it for the dopamine. Yeah. I can see that. But, like, I'm, I'm immune, so I don't understand it, but I can Aaron, see that. You're not immune to weed, you just haven't smoked enough. Anyway. But yeah, they put on a very good tactical match between them. It It is a spectacle. Go back and watch it. Envy mm-hmm. does come out on top on that one, which I'm a little bit surprised at. Hmm. I honestly thought Devin Monroe was going to come out on that one. 
Yeah, no, so um, it's interesting to note that Devin Monroe comes from the same sort of, like, indie scene as Top Flight in AEW. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, like, Devin Monroe is very good. If, if you like Top, Fr- Top Flight, <laughs> Top Fright is their Halloween name. If you like Top <laughs> Flight, you're going to like Devin Monroe. Yeah. I love when you get those little groups and they're just constantly pushing each other to be better. Mm-hmm. So that when you notice all of them at the same time, mm-hmm. you just get blown away. It's it's enjoyable to watch. Now, the epic and potentially most devastating support match. The one you definitely should check out. The one you definitely should check out. A rematch. Um, oh god, what was the show that Billy Dixon did? Paris is Burning? Paris, Paris is Bumping 2. A rematch from Paris yeah. is Bumping 2. Billy Dixon versus Darius Carter. Mm-hmm. It played out a lot the same. Mm-hmm. Even though they were doing two out of three falls. Yes. Yeah, Billy got a quick one, then Darius got a quick one, and then they spent about ten minutes just Beating the hell out of Billy. Mm-hmm. Like, pillar to post. Almost to that level of comfortable again, as on Paris' bumping. Right. It was, it, it, they, it's such a fun rivalry, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so brutal and so violent and, like just really well done and i love watching them wrestle because like they they both are very good at the way that they at like their their acting really says i hate this man and i want to kill him yep i could honestly believe going into one of their matches not knowing anything about wrestling that they might be a danger to each other Mm mm-hmm I like, obviously this keeps getting booked. They get along well together. At least well enough. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I, I would assume that they're not trying to kill each other backstage, you know? Like, you have to like someone in order to come on their show. But this is a Billy Dixon show. He's gonna book people he likes, right? Exactly. But you can believe while they're doing it. You know, even if in the back they're the best friends, they don't bleed that over at all. No, they really show no mercy to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Now, in the end of this one, Billy did win again mm-hmm. and retained the Chocolate City Championship. Mm-hmm. But. But. Darius wasn't done with him. No, he was not. Nor were Darius's. Jumped him after the bell. Various cronies who he's now recruited for his little heel stable. Oh my goodness. Darren, who might those cronies be? That was Eel O'Neill, mm-hmm. Jordan Blade, Killian McMurphy, and Molly McCoy. <gasps> goodness. Molly, Molly McCoy. joined a violence gang. I mean, she is prettiest girl 
in wrestling. Yeah. No, they are. <laughs> Aaron? Hey, Aaron. Who's that behind your head? Right there. That? Yep. Oh, that's gritty. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> are you going to join a heel stable? Oh, Cat, uh, we've been over this. I'm the baby face. You're the heel. For now, you can join a heel stable in turn. No, we already have this odd tag team going on where we're on opposite sides of the dressing room. You ride on different buses because faction buses. Yep. Being a Flyers fan is expressly a heel trait. Not this season. They don't get enough heat. <laughs> okay, but the Flyers are explicitly a heel team, and they've been bad for a number of seasons already. Yeah, well. They were bad they're... before the Devils and Rangers got bad. I mean, they started before the Devils and Rangers got bad. The Rangers anyway. are literally oh, like yeah, one of no. the original six teams. You know what? Shush. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> whenever, whenever I get something wrong, whenever I get something wrong, it's always, you know what? Shut up. <laughs> I can answer your question with another question. Shut up. <laughs> I could do this all day. You're supposed to answer questions with questions. Yeah, then I didn't. Ah, shit, that's a heel move, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Subversion. You've, you've, you've turned your character just like the turns that are happening currently in AEW. But we'll get to that after we finish this tournament. We gotta talk about the volleyball tournament. That's a strong bad email reference to the email where he invents Teen Girl Squad in case you were wondering why I said tournament. Now, there was also a funny interaction on Twitter between Darius and Boomer after this. Oh? Where Boomer actually, like, quote-tweeted the announcement tweet that Darius did. Mm -hmm. Molly, did you join a violence gang? Darius replied to that. It's like, yeah, you can't tell her what to do anymore. I don't. We tag anyway. <laughs> What's up your ass? <laughs> Oh god. So wait, 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 wait. It, 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 what I'm getting at here is that are we the pop flyers of whatever fake wrestling league we're in? Uh no, cuz we're not cousins. Oh, yeah, that's fair. We are family though. That's and, true. Yeah. In, in the Dom Toretto sense. In the Dom Toretto sense. About family. Movies are so dumb. Those movies are so good. How dare you? You know I'm right. How very dare you? The Fast and the Furious movies are amazing. They're Orange Cassidy's favorite films for a reason. <laughs> At least the first one is. Legitimately, though, they're fun movies to watch. Like, I yeah, they are. It, you can just turn off your brain and let it go. Exactly. You, you don't have to hold it back anymore. Just let it go. It's really good for a Saturday night. 
really good for a Thursday night after you've watched Godzilla vs. King Kong. <laughs> that too. Okay, we're going to wrap this up real quickly here because we have the semifinals of the Cassandra Cup, which saw Edith Surreal against Killian Murphy and Ashley Star against AC Mack. They were very much semifinals matches, you know. You remember the start and the finish of a tournament that in the middle it always gets kind of blurry and I didn't take notes, sorry. It's the same way with shonen anime tournament arcs, right? Nobody ever remembers mm -hmm. the fight against Todoroki. Yeah. But we did have Edith, Edith and Ashton go forward. Which actually made me a little bit worried because I thought maybe Ashton Star could put this whole thing away. Right. Because, again, he wrote a third outfit for the finals. He was prepared to go all the way. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, just the finals were just such a good match where they both looked exhausted after this day of a tournament. Yeah. They're, bo they're both wounded. They're both just throwing it all out there. Or like, Edith had her hair up in a bun that was, like, yep. immediately ruined by you know wrestling it was like very like i am so goddamn tired and i'm still gonna give every single ounce of what i have left they did they both really did it was brutal in such a beautiful way mm -hmm. the like your art of violence distilled into a match how very art critic of you. I mean, <laughs> violence as an art form is underappreciated. It really is. So in the end of that, we saw Edith Surreal go over Ashton Star. Like I said she would, because she wins tournaments. She's got a history of winning tournaments. I've only seen her drop out of one. <laughs> Which tournament was that? I believe that was the Acid Cup for GCW. Right. So yeah, Wait. we're going to get Edith Surreal and Lee Moriarty putting on their second match together mm -hmm. in about three months mm -hmm. in Tampa. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to miss that one. That one's going to be fun. I don't care what I have to do to see that one. I will... I will like, pirate that one and send everyone money afterwards to see it. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to be streamed, right? It'll probably be on Fight. Yeah, it's, it's a GCW show, right? Pretty sure. It'll be on Fight. Especially if it's the collective, it'll be on Yeah, like, if it isn't a GCW show, it's a GCW collaboration, so it'll be on Fight. Right. That's where all their stuff is now. Yes. It was good. Very good. Yep. I enjoyed the tournament. Do want to get into AEW. We can get in into some AEW. Okay. Wanna first start by talking about today's news. Today's news? What was today's news? The second forbidden door being opened. Hmm. It's a one-way door, door, though. Been smashed. It's a one-way door. It's not. It's. It doesn't go both ways. 
unlike yeah many of the wrestlers on uh, <laughs> which versus Gore's Cassandra Cup. Very nice tie-in. You're welcome. I'm good at transitions. It's happening by these. Well, that's Twitch canceling us. Because we're moving over to YouTube. <laughs> I'm allowed to talk about the existence of my boobs. I'm not allowed to show them. Not on this corporate Christian Minecraft server. Oh, I should leave then. Yeah. We, we both don't fit in here. Oh. Anyway, Forbidden Doors being smashed open. Jericho's on Steve Austin's podcast. That's literally it. Yeah. The next episode of Broken Skull Sessions is going to have Chris Jericho on it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, he had a 20-year run with WWE, so it's not that surprising. No, it's it's not, like, surprising that he's someone that they would bring back. It's just he's currently working for another company. Yeah, he's a, been a big draw since he left in New Japan and in AEW. Mm-hmm. So... I'm curious how far they will talk about that. Like, I'm sure they'll talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, because he had matches with Kenny Omega and um, Tanahashi mm-hmm. there. But how far do they get into the past two years of AEW? Right. I mean, it is Austin. He kind of does what he wants. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have let him have RJ City on. <laughs> I mean, that was for a different thing. No, that was for the podcast. Because it was from the David Arquette episode. Okay, I... Austin did an interview with that, David Arquette, and RJ came with. Like... Okay. Because I know there's that one quick clip of him in his underwear next to Austin trying to do a coffee review. Yep, that was from when they did the episode with David Arquette. Okay. I over... I uh, did not see that it was for a podcast. I was too entertained by RJ in his underwear. That's fair. Good underwear, you know? No, he was wearing the, the, the purple briefs that he wears relatively frequently that look really good on him yeah i think it was a polka dot thing i don't know so so anyway that's exciting i can't wait to hear what's talked about mm-hmm. it'll be interesting now the life aew this is the real stuff the shoot stuff shoot stuff get and shoot that's our new segment <laughs> yeah no sorry we, we can't call it that the new segment is called shooting from the hip okay that works i'm very good at naming segments very good I'm at very naming not. things i came up with chicks with dice and i'm pretty sure i came up with marking out with my girlfriend yeah you came into my stream and said that Hey, if we call it marking out with my girlfriend, you want to do a wrestling show? Yes, but we have to call it that. I'm very good at coming up with really, really awful names for things. <laughs> That's why there's a Chicks with Dice podcast. 
And the company name is So Says Media, which originally was a thing that I put on a sign that I made for Pride that had Mothman on it, and it stood for Southern Ontario Sign Enthusiast Society. Well, now you gave away the in-joke. That's fine. It's people we love here. Okay. So, AEW, where did you want to start? Because we've missed a lot of stuff. Um... I guess we have to talk about what happened at Revolution briefly. Revolution, where they had a really good show. And then the exploding ring ruined it. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I'm not going to say ruined. Deflated. It deflated the whole situation, yes. The show was very good. Like, world-class pay-per-view. Yeah. Even like, though, even though the fucking TNT title tournament had a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog ring as the thing you had to grab. And when they talked about it, you have to grab this ring, I'm like, okay, it's like a finger ring, yeah? That makes sense. Well, nope. They, they said- Sonic the Hedgehog. They said it was going to be a brass ring, so you figure, like, a, a brass ring. You know, big enough so you can see it. But there's this big plastic inner tube thing hanging above the ring. It's It looked like a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog ring. Yeah. But Which, Scorpio Sky won that, so I can't be too upset. No, neither can I. In retrospect, though, Scorpio Sky should have brought the ring with him, so he had an extra life around for when Darby took him out. Yeah, you can see he, he didn't play Sonic enough. Nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, Scorpio Sky then went on to challenge Darby Allen for the TNT title on Dynamite and lost. Mm-hmm. Because Darby holding the belt makes pretty good sense still right now. I know, I've seen a few words like I could I could live with him not having it now, but yeah, they have plans for it, so I just gotta keep watching and see what'll happen. I'm. We also got some interesting kind of development recently, whereupon the machine, Brian Cage, specifically went against Taz's orders and said that he respects and appreciates and you know, admires Sting. And yep. boy, did Taz not like that. No, there's a bit of dissension in Team Taz going on. Team and Taz a is of fine. Face turn from Cage. Cage could be a pretty good face. It, like, oh yeah. I like. like... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about Brian Cage in Lucha Underground when he took the machine thing seriously and came out dressed like a stupid Borg. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love I love when wrestlers take the gimmick just a, like that one step too far and it's like, oh my god, what were you thinking? I mean, that's what Lucha Underground was great for because it was obviously the very tongue-in-cheek wrestling show. Like, everything was mm-hmm. cinematic. It was right. over the top. So you could do stuff like that and get away with it. They killed, like, four people on that show. Yep. Half of them are in AEW now. Yep. <laughs> Cage versus Page in a tag team cage match. 
I mean, that's a good match. So, yeah, what were we talking? <laughs> so, yeah, Cage is having a little bit of a face turn here. I'm curious to see what will happen between him and Starks, because I think they would have a really good feud going on. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I just deeply love Ricky Starks in everything he does. He's got such charisma about it. It's so hard to tell sometimes if he's being like, Sassy and sarcastic, mm -hmm. or serious. I think I could turn my light off. It is a my eyes hurt, and b the sun has set. Yep, <laughs> so it has. It's still not quite there. I should I, uh, keep going. I have to light a candle. Okay, what was I know? Uh, Ricky Stark, like, and Absolute. this whole team. Absolute Ricky Starks, and in this whole team Taz thing, like when they come up to to Brian talking in these interviews that they've been doing the past couple weeks, mm -hmm. and he's very disregarding of Taz right now. He's just doing his own thing. Ricky is very much towing the line, but in a way where I'm not sure if he's serious about it or if he's just in his own bullshit. It's Ricky Stark, so yes. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I think it'd be really interesting, you know. Cage goes face, Ricky stays heel, and they have that feud and really get some amazing matches out of each other. Because they can. Yes, They're we do need to get me a barbecue lighter. <laughs> I, have a, I have some stuff to light it with. I just, it's very, the candle is very low. Yeah, I hate when that happens. Sucks, but the words of someone is what it is. Or it is what it is. So, further on with Revolution, we also had the women's title match of Hikaru Shida and Ryo Mizunami. Mizunami, of course, winning the AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament. Mm -hmm. Tournament. Tournament? I almost got it. <laughs> and... I almost got it in one. It was exciting to see Aniki and uh, Shida actually put on a match together outside of Tokyo Joshi, you know? No, and they went at each other for the whole 15 minutes of this match. Mm -hmm. it, it, like, they started with a good steady pace to start and then just hit the ground running. Um, we also... Oh, sorry. We should note that... Um, AEW did burn the the best, absolute best match of the night as their pre-show opener. Yeah, they did. When they had Britt Baker and... It was supposed to be Britt Baker and uh, Reba versus... Sorry, I know it's making a lot of smoke. I've got a... <laughs> It's a very That's... old candle, so there's too much wax. Yeah, Reba wasn't cleared to compete because of whatever injury they say she has. Whatever injury Britt made up for her, for convenience sake. And so, to replace Reba, they brought in 
cat's favorite. The cutest in the world. Sekai Ichikoai. Ito-chan. <laughs> oh my god. Maki Ito in AEW has been nothing but a delight. So, like, they put on a very good match. Everyone got introduced to the Kokeshi. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone got introduced to the kayfabe that Maki Ito's head is so hard that anyone who hits it, like, breaks their hand. Um, As Riho did a couple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got... She's very thick skull. Yes. There were some... Um, oh, God. <laughs> the moment that gets me, though, is uh, when she was on Dynamite the next week. <laughs> yes. And they had a, a three-person tag match. With, was it Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and uh, Maki Ito versus Ryo Mizunami, Shida, and Thunder Rosa? Yes, that's who it was. And Rosa has a history with Maki Ito. Yep. Which but is so fun to go through. Rather importantly, Ito came out last, and the remaining five had already started brawling? Not quite. No? Ito came out last for her team. Right. So she came out doing the little sing and dance routine, and the faces run out of the tunnel and start jumping everyone else. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> so Ito's out there finishing her song alone while the rest of her team is getting beat to hell. And it's the greatest thing in the world. Like, they cut the music and she keeps going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like a goddamn pro, right? It was oh, just man. so funny. Oh my god, I love that. Like, having her continue to sing her music while her team is getting beat to shit. Mm-hmm. Is just so fucking funny. It's so appropriate. It's very Maki Ito. It, it's, it's appropriate because, like, Maki Ito's whole deal is that she's someone who has always kept working despite setbacks. Mm-hmm. Despite being fired from her idol group. Despite, you know, not being not winning for, like, the first year and a half of wrestling. All those little things. And, like, Maki Ito does not give up. And that's best exemplified in continuing to sing while her teammates got beat up. Because Maki Ito doesn't give up on Maki Ito. The rest of you, who gives a shit? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Maki Ito and AEW, they flew her down right after a Tokyo Joshi Pro show. Mm-hmm. As an emergency fill-in, she did such. She's. I hope that when travel becomes accessible again, she is hard-headed. Yeah. Yeah. When travel <laughs> becomes accessible again, I hope that we get to see more Maki Ito in AEW because. Oh, definitely. Like, she fits so well, and I, I, I love that she's able to like you know use that as an opportunity to learn more English and stuff like that for herself and like. She will one day be a fairly significant star in the U.S., I think, because yep. she's just got such good character. And I think... She's got the right attitude. 
Absolutely. That's when I say character, I mean it in the sense that her her like kayfabe character is good, but also she has the character of a star wrestler. You know, mm-hmm. she's got the drive, the unwillingness, the unflinching like desire to keep getting better. And I really genuinely think that an opportunity in AEW would present her with the chance to get some world class training and become an even better wrestler. As you can see with a lot of the other people that they've brought in over the past year. Mm-hmm. Like, you just look at, like, I mean, like, they've done it with a lot of people. They've, they've like, like, I'm going to pull a little off the top of my head, Sean Dean, right? Yep. When they gave him a contract. Yeah, he was, he's come a long way since that first show yeah, a year ago. It, it was a year ago, and he's like a completely different wrestler now. Mm-hmm. But you've got him. You've got Anna Jay. Ty Conte. Ty Conte was removed from the um, from WWE because they didn't see anything in her. Yeah, And then she goes to AEW and Kicks ass. Is a huge star. <laughs> Ab- uh, so, like, Abaddon is an interesting case. Because Abaddon was one of those signings where they realized, like, she had enough of, like, clamoring demand, right? Like, it's the same way that, like, Orange Cassidy got his AEW contract was, you know, they definitely saw something in him because they gave him a, they gave him a couple of tries. But it was that, like, it was that, like, fan outcry of, you need to get this person. They're just so good. We want to see them on a regular Look, basis. even Orange Cassidy has gotten, like, better. And he was already really fucking good. Yep. Like, just thinking about that, like, uh, having guys like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard around, having guys who've been doing this forever to, like, really give something to these new guys as they come up, is just such a valuable thing to have. And you're not putting the old guys over the new guys. You know, like, Orange Cassidy has had some really fun stories. Abaddon doesn't lose to, I mean, like, women is a whole other thing in AEW, but, like, you know, if they're, if they're signed, they're gonna be booked to win at least some of their matches, except if you're Brandon Cutler for a really long while, and he's back to his losing ways now. He had his push, you know, they'll, they'll bring it up again. After he goes, what, another, like, 26-0? Probably. Sometime next year, maybe. Yeah, the, the, the annual Cutler push. Well, you had a good match on Dark. Thanks, Matt and Nick. <laughs> now, that, that is the thing. Cutler is very good. So, and, and the way they've worked his character and how he does things on BTE, it doesn't hurt him to be a loser. Right. To, to be, to have that jobber role. Because 
really get sick of seeing him. Yeah, no, he's he's worked into the storylines really well. I mean, like him, like being the trio's partner for the Bucks is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Jungle Boy's a big one. Oh, Jungle Boy has improved massively. Penelope Ford, when they fucking let her wrestle, yep, has gotten from has has just gotten like infinitely better since she started. And again, like these are already people who were talented indie performers. Who just got better. I know I've said on here before that the people they bring in are good talent. They know what they're doing in a ring. The main problem that I think usually it is, is you put them out there in front of a million people. Maybe not a million people in the arena, but they know how many they're people They're on are TV, watching. yeah. Yeah. And that's a hindrance, but having people like Holly, Arn, Malenko, um, Dustin, you know, these people who've done this forever can tell them, here's how you calm down. Even Sting, like. Yeah. Sting was the face of a company for a friggin' decade. They've got, um, they've got Christian now. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, I don't want to, like, you know, disparage them by calling them el- oh Paul White too. Yeah, that they're, they're like kind of like elder statesmen of professional wrestling. You know, they're the guys who understand exactly how this works and how you need to behave for this to work for you. Mm-hmm. They can tell you like, here's how you clean up this move that you do. Here's blah blah blah. It's it feels like you know, like obviously NXT's been around. To, well before AEW, right? Like, there's no question about that. The thing that gets... that, like, really gets me, though, is, like, it's why NXT worked. The older, experienced guys that you had around were helping to build up the new talent. It's why the main roster doesn't. Because the experienced guys sit on top and do nothing but have weird, dumb feuds with each other. Yep. It's a very one-sided exchange in main roster. Not, not that there's a main roster anymore, but SmackDown and Raw have that very, like, Vince McMahon who has worked the hardest, or who has worked the most for me is going to get rewarded versus here's how I can help these people become legitimate stars because... Building up new talent is how you build a company. Yeah. And it's the same thing we saw at the end of WCW and TNA, where they had the same groups of the veterans around taking up all the roles. Yep. And all the pushes and huh? all the money. <laughs> huh? So, yeah, you, you can't get anything new out of that. Because eventually those guys are just going to walk away from you, and you'll have nothing left to, to work with. Right, because you haven't built anyone below them up. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I don't... I don't know how much longer Cody plans on wrestling, right? Like... Uh, another f- five years, he said. Okay. We've got a hard number, then. Cody feels barely important to what AEW is doing right now. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how it should be, you know? Like, I mean, like, the, 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 the angle with the Nightmare family works really well. I like it a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like, the whole QT thing, which we'll get into, is gonna be a good story for Cody. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting how that plays out. But at the same time, that's not the only story in the show. You know, we just had, like, a, what, two, three-month-long story with uh, Chucky T, Orange Cassidy, Miro, and Kip. Yep. That one kind of dragged a little bit, because there's some unfortunate slowdowns. There were some unfortunate slowdowns due to Trent's titty getting hurt. Yeah. Trent broke his titty. Sorry, Greg broke his titty, according to Dustin's Twitter. <laughs> I love that tweet. <laughs> so much. It's a good tweet. So, like, you know, but you've got, like, the the mess that is Kenny Omega and the young the the elite right now you've got Hangman the the like the redemption of Hangman Adam Page you've got oh god what other storylines do they have going on Team Taz versus Sting and Darby you've yep. got I mean that that angle's been going on for two but I'll let it slide. That, have... that angle's been talking too long is the problem. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, you've got uh Box and Eddie Kingston. Which is such a cool story now. Yeah, you've got I'd say Jade I'd and Red Velvet now. Jade yep. Cargill and Red Velvet. Like, you've got uh Dr. Britt Baker being Tony Schiavone's Finn Dom. Yep. As well as probably the most over uh, woman on that roster. Yeah, yeah. Not bad for being injured for most of last year. (laughs) Yeah, no, I like, I'm trying to think of, like, I like being more over than the women's champion is impressive. And Sheeta's over. Like everyone it, loves Sheeta. Yeah. What I don't love is Austin Gunn's Holy Sheeta chants. I kind of like the Holy Sheeta chant. Hate it. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I kind of like them a little bit. <laughs> Austin Gunn is a fine rapper, but a bad chant maker. Yeah. No, that that's a valid criticism. Oh, goodness. Also, his insistence on thinking Thunderstruck with Thunder Roses in the ring. Yeah, that's kind of annoying. Because then they try to work with other people, too. It's like, no, that, that doesn't work. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it better when the Gum Club were kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. Gum club. That one's one that'll never get old to me. I, I don't I don't know why, but I fucking love every time I talk about the gun club calling them the gum club. Maybe it's because I like the way that Excalibur makes fun of Taz. Just so straight faced. Um Excalibur also had a good line. Uh 
this week where he said, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> Which is such a amazing <laughs> quote to pull. Like, it's, it, there's a lot of... Excalibur has just so much weird knowledge that he brings to his job. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is like... The fact that he just, like, watches a lot of stuff and reads a lot of stuff. Yep. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, God. Oh, we, we got distracted here. Yes. We should probably get back on track if we want to cover more than just this week's Dynamite. <laughs> so let's talk about our favorite boys, the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. My boys. <laughs> the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega, everyone's favorite version of the Elite. The super elite, if you will. Yes. <laughs> um, so there's a couple things going on there. Um, Anderson's not letting Gallows jerk it. Yes, and we learned through BT that Anderson might be a chastity dom. And that Gallows catches a kiss six times a day. Yeah. Like, he tied his hands up so he couldn't. Yeah, it was... Something. This whole company is, like, really horny some days. Some days? (laughs) Days with the Bullet Club and Dark Order on. (laughs) They're horny all the time. AEW is just a very horny company. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's not bad. I don't mind it. We're all adults here. We can have fun with it. Yeah, no, like... Although, they did have to edit out that time when the Good Brothers uh, did the smoke some weed and jerk off on national TV. And they did it so much that they had trouble cutting it all out. Oh. I have come to appreciate the crassness of the Good Brothers for the fact that so it's just so over the, top. over the top and like weirdly out of place in AEW despite the fact that there's a literal sex cult in AEW. Yeah. The sex cult is more wholesome than this. Yep. <laughs> it's impressive to be hornier than a sex cult. Who had a dog collar match? The dog collar match. Not a dog collar. (laughs) Not a dog collar. A people collar. AEW is, by the way, now selling dog collars. So they figured out what they look like now. Yeah, they know what a dog collar looks like, at least. Um, That's what I have seen those used as people collars, too. Yeah, I know. I'm sure someone bought it for that. The whole set. Did you really? God, no. I was going to say, you should have told me. I would have told you to add some shirts to that order. No, 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 no. I haven't done puppy play in a while. Like, I, mean, I plan okay. on doing it again for quite some time either. That's fair. 
just, did I just reveal what? too much? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Do we hit a limit here? <laughs> Have we become the Good Brothers? Anyway, so the Good Brothers and Kenny are doing their bullshit. Yep. And now the Good Brothers have lost the TNA titles, or the Impact titles. <laughs> so they're free to just be on Dynamite all the time. <laughs> Cat has completely lost it. So I guess this is where we're going before, when we talked about the Exploding Ring match and how it just failed. Because the whole thing didn't go off. And at the end of that, like, when the counter was going down for the last few seconds, they, like, handcuffed Moxley in the middle of the ring and left him out there unconscious. So Eddie Kingston comes out, tries to wake him up and get him going, and instead, like, covers him with himself mm -hmm. and has a small heart attack as the bomb goes off. As the any, bomb didn't do anything to them. As any normal person would, you know. Yeah, who, you know. Who wouldn't freak out do. when you think a bomb is about to kill you? Yeah. So, they're left with that whole mess to clean up. And they did, like, immediately. The bomb was intense sparkle. It was... It, they were basically intense sparklers. Yep. It was all ground fireworks, and I... Pretty sure aerial fireworks are legal in Florida. There might be two indoors for that. But like they had tested the setup beforehand and it had gone well. The ones they had for the night just was a dud. It happens. It's unfortunate. Yeah, but no, they all pulled like, it around. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know that there have been many satisfying finishes to exploding barbed wire death matches ever people expect too much from them i can name um onita and hayabusa there's and that's about it <laughs> there's just no way to live up to what people expect from a exploding barbed wire death match without mm -hmm. killing your guys yeah and you know throw on top of that like technical issues mm-hmm so yeah, it just you know it 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 is what it is. The match was great. The match itself was great. Yeah, like um, I, I. But we're getting distracted again. Definitely, yeah. Well, it's us. I know we're very distractible. There's hair falling in my face and it's driving me crazy. I <laughs> am playing with handle. Have ADHD and need to stem. That's fair. So yeah, the next night on Dynamite, or the next Wednesday night on Dynamite, they had a sit-down interview with Mox and Kingsley having whiskey. And they, they just tore the whole thing apart. Yep. They just took the piss right out of it. They determined that it was Impact you paid for the bomb, so that's why it didn't work. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's, that's what it was. And that's all come around. Like, they've had a couple matches with the Good Brothers and Kenny now. In the last couple of weeks, uh, there's been some stuff going on with that. Namely, the Super Elite breaking Kingston's ankle. Which, 
puts Moxley in a weird spot because he's out there alone. But the Bucks are kind of in and out on if they want to help him, if they want to get involved at all and actually do something. And it looks like it's going to lead up to that where Kenny and the Good Brothers against Mox and the Bucks, I believe, next week. Mm-hmm. Which should be where we see Mox get injured enough where he can go off on his parental leave. Right. <laughs> like he was probably supposed to after Revolution. But they couldn't because the ring didn't explode. I tell you what, Kenny makes a tough son of a bitch. But he can't make a ring explode for shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I... It was... The important thing is, we've gotten some really good angles out of this, and we get mm-hmm. Mox Bucks. Mox Bucks, yeah. Moxon. I wasn't gonna say it. <laughs> it's Mox and Jackson. Yeah. Nothing to do with the magic cards. No. Um, it's gonna be interesting yeah i want to see how they all can all gel together and you know just what comes of it that's why i'm watching this angle still is like i i hate the books so much they're such jackasses and they just (laughs) let this happen yeah they kind of enabled kenny oh yeah they did they enabled kenny they didn't pay attention to what was going on they let hangman become a drunk they cursed out hangman for being a drunk that they made him even though matt hardy sent the text yep it's like you know the bucks are kind of to blame for a lot of this But at the same time, you know, they might have enabled some of it, but boy, did Kenny go off the deep end, and that's all on him. Like, oh yeah, there's no question about it that Kenny Omega has lost any shred. It's like, it's like he's been haunted by this ghost of the cleaner for the last like three years, right? Like. And, and it's really finally won. And but it's like it's not the cleaner anymore. It's this no. ghost acting through Kenny Omega. Really fascinating like, to see him perform that. Like And it's really cool the few times that we've seen like that mask he has slip a little bit. Like when they were at the kindergarten reading mm-hmm. for kids at the end of that skit, the kids asked, well, can, can you stay and play with us? And Kenny wants to, and you can see that in his face. Mm-hmm. He wants to stay and play with the kids and have fun, but he's got to go be this other thing. <laughs> right. There's like those little moments of slippage. There's like just the way that his relationships are all so fraught. The Good mm-hmm. Brothers don't give two shits about him. No, they're getting paid. Exactly. Don Callis is paying them to do this. That's all they Don need. Don is using Kenny 
to get fame and whatever else. Don Callis is using, I mean, like, you know, I think he and the Good Brothers have an arrangement, like an understanding, like a mutual exploitation. There's, there's, mm-hmm. It's not exploitation because they're each receiving some form of benefit from it, right? Like, it's just a regular contracted bad guy contract. Bad guy. That's going to be the next arc for uh, the same coin. Actually, the next arc for the same coin is going to be a business conference. Yep. But no spoilers. They gotta they gotta sign up on Patreon to get the spoilers. Yeah, they're going to a business conference. A business conference, if you will. Business. That's another Homestar Runner thing. If if it wasn't clear, when I pronounce things weirdly, 80% of the time it's a Homestar Runner reference. So yeah, no, like, I'm very interested in where this story goes for the Bucks. I'm very interested in where the story goes for Kenny. I'm very interested to see where this story goes for Hangman. Yeah. Hangman's enjoying himself now. Hangman has friends. Who he's around people that want him around. Like him because he's Hangman, not because he wins or because of this or that or the other thing. It's just, yeah, it's Hangman. Hangman's our friend. And also, he fucks. Good to know, you know. I do enjoy knowing that Hangman fucks. Hangman fucks. Fucks. It's just, like, I don't know. I I like the way that they are telling these, like, complicated stories of, like, just, like, sorry, I kind of am trying to articulate what I'm saying. Um... Like, in a sense, and maybe it's kind of with the rose-tinted glasses implied a little bit. Like, Don Callis offering Kenny this Faustian bargain. Kenny losing his soul so he can win a belt. Possibly more than one. He's got that match coming up in Impact. Right, he's got the belt for belt match, right? Yep. That is... I guess that counts as Lucha de Apuesta, huh? It is kind of a, kind of a betting match. I'm pretty sure it's an Apuesta. Yeah. So, we'll see how that goes. I'm hopeful that they'll actually go through with whichever way they want to go with this. Right. And, you know, actually let one of the belts leave a company. Most likely the Impact belt. <laughs> Almost a sure. Sorry, Rich Swan. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Rich Swan and it's Kenny Omega. It's mm-hmm. kind of assumed, unless it's like a double countout and nobody leave. you know. Yeah, which would be very disappointing. Or like a double knockout. Yeah. I could deal with a double knockout. That would not necessarily... Double countout, disappointing. Double knockout, holy shit, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, very interestingly, Kota Ibushi got his new belt now in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, that thing that looks like the old Divas belt, but 
masculine. <laughs> it's a gold diva's belt. It's a I gold a butterfly, butterfly belt. diva's belt. The butterfly belt is fine. I like the butterfly belt. It's just I don't hate the new design. I don't care that it looks like a diva's belt or like Captain Falcon's emblem or anything like that. Show me your moves. Like show me your moves. Looks, the only thing I I have wrong with it is the IWGP heavyweight title before was huge and noticeable and covered in history. Right. And so the new belt is nice, but it's not that. It's not big. Yeah. Okay, Erica, sleep well. Thank you for watching us for as long as you did. We'll <laughs> talk to you tomorrow for our recording session. Which is what this stack of papers is for. We're gonna die. F1. F1 at five. There's no F1 no. at 5.30. We're off for two weeks. There's nothing until Italy now. It's not even Italy. Isn't it the Emilia-Romagna? Imola? Pretty sure the Imola is the Emilia-Romagna. I don't know. Either way. What were we talking about? I can't get my train of thought back. <laughs> we were talking about um, Faustian Bargains and Kenny Omega, I think. Yes. And yeah, like because that makes the new belt makes Coda's travel luggage a lot lighter. Yeah. You know, a little bit harder to uh, lose. Right. <laughs> So maybe they trust him to go somewhere like Florida. Especially somewhere where he wouldn't be responsible for navigating by himself. He would get picked up by the company. Yes. <laughs> this isn't even kayfabe. This is shoot. This is a shoot. <laughs> Kota Ibushi gets lost. Okay, we're back at shooting from the hip. Kota Ibushi has no sense of direction. Kota Ibushi is a pure himbo. If Kota Ibushi was a cat, he would be an orange cat. <laughs> He'd never get time with the brain cell. Never. <laughs> but I love him so much. I mean, like, yeah, no, of course, we, we love himbos. We love <laughs> orange cats. Yep. <laughs> Paco, by the way, is sleeping inside of a box that I put a blanket in behind my chair. Just a little far away, actually. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, I, I'm curious how far they go with the belt collecting thing. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I like, do they let them collect like Ultimo Dragon did back in the day, or do I, they cut it off pretty quickly with Impact? Like, but yeah, with Impact, maybe by the end of the year, even. It really depends on lockdown situation, right? Yeah. Like, if it's safer to travel and everything like that, I don't know how many of them are vaccinated and whatnot. But, certainly an interesting prospect. Yeah, my fingers are crossed that we get something really cool out of this. But I understand some, some goals are just too big right now. We have to temper our expectations for the world we live. 
But I mean, we did get Kenta. We got Kenta. We got Maki. We got a whole tournament over there. Possible. Anything's possible. Anything <laughs> with enough resources. <laughs> anything is possible when you're a billionaire. Yep. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else AEW you wanted to go over? Arcade Anarchy? Right. We had uh, possibly the conclusion to Miro and Kip Sabian against the Best Friends feud. Yes. Because there was a whole match with a bunch of arcade cabinets and stuff. It was cutesy. It was good. It was fun. But we got not one, not two, but three surprise entrants into this match. Because Chris Statlander was inside the claw machine. Yep. She busted out of... um, She busted out of by punching plexiglass into Penelope Ford's face. mm -hmm. And it left her makeup on it. Mm -hmm. Which was a hilarious picture to see. It was very good. Um, We got in a white minivan None other than Sue, Trent's Ooh. mom. And who comes out of the white minivan but Greggy? Greg's I mean, titties healed. His titties healed. Greg's titty is healed. Trent is back. <laughs> and oh. because it was like, was, is false count anywhere? Basically, no disqualifications. No Trent is able know. to help. Yep. And he did. And he did. And like, oh my god, that was so much fun. I that match was just a joy from start to finish. And then Trent being back means that when they got into the ring together to celebrate their triumph, they they gave the people what they want. You know, Excalibur got to say his little line, got to give the people what they want. But then Chris Statlander also joins in the group hug. And then later on Orange tweets, the alien rides with us now. (laughs) Which is so cool. Right after she sang that song and confessed confessed her love to him by singing a song from a Team Star Kid musical. (laughs) Aaron, I hate to break it to you, but wrestling is musicals now. Ugh, it's just gay. I can deal with wrestling being gay. I can't deal with it being musicals. Okay, but... Is a Team Star Kid musical. I don't know what that is. They're the people who wrote a very Potter musical. I don't know what that is. It's a musical version of Harry Potter that's nothing like actual Harry Potter. I see. It's very fuck. It's very funny. Um... Draco wants to transfer to a school called Big Farts, which is on Mars, and the headmaster is a lion. This <laughs> is so stupid. Uh, but so the song that Chris Statlander sang was a modified version of a song from a musical that they wrote where there was a alien, sectoid alien on a human ship that had to pretend to be human to kill all the humans, but accidentally fell in love with one of the humans. Is this just amongst us? I mean, among us? Whatever. 
haven't played that game in how many months? <laughs> I don't know, but it's 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 a little different from Among Us. This also came out well before Among Us. But yeah, no, it's a good musical. I think you'd like it. Um, I think I would. You wouldn't. So. <laughs> unless Emma was running the sound for it. Then I would watch it, yeah. You would watch it. I don't think you would like it. I would love it. So let's talk instead about a certain movie. If you are worried about spoilers for King Kong vs. Godzilla, or however they ordered the name of that movie, the Godzilla vs. King Kong or King Kong vs. Godzilla? Sure King Kong vs. Godzilla. Okay, King Kong vs. Godzilla. If you're worried about spoilers for that, now is the time for you to exit the stream. If you've seen the movie, which I think most of the people here have, Moki, Moki has seen it. Aitsu was there yesterday. Aaron and I watched it together yesterday. Uh, Erica Hoffman was there with us yesterday. Um, okay. So, let's talk for a moment about the structure of the story in the conflict between King Kong and Godzilla. And how that was booked like a wrestling match. A very interesting wrestling match, too. Yes. I mean, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of, like, weird, crazy stuff happening in the background. But Kong and Godzilla fighting was a very significant, like, parallel to a lot of best out of like best to three falls kind of matches, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to watch. Like it, it, it kind of revealed itself, and then like the fact that and this is where we get into spoilers. The fact that Mechagodzilla that got taken over by the brain of Ghidorah, or the genetic memory, whatever it's. Sci-fi mumbo jumbo. Basically, became Ghidorah in a metal body, which is fucking terrifying. Right. So Ghidorah, as Becca Godzilla, is you have this best of three falls match where it's just like a really brutal, like you know, knockdown, drag out kind of match. Yeah, and very hawk like. Then. You have this run-in who attacks the winner, right? And the winner is getting, like, just the crap beat out of him. And then the guy who lost the match gets up and helps the guy who just beat him. And, like, that's such a pure wrestling thing. That's a thing that mm-hmm. happens in wrestling. Like, where it's, we fought each other, we've developed... The respect of warriors by beating each other with our fists. Yeah. And like even before that, it's kind of interesting because the axe that Kong has is powered by Godzilla. Right. Kong's axe is a Godzilla scale. It's so, like a Godzilla spine from his back. So they're like a tag team that has broken up and now has this vicious rivalry going on. But they still have that chemistry to work together. See, I, I view it as a different sort of thing, because 
I don't okay. think they were ever. They're, they're two, the Kongs and the Saurians, or whatever they're called, literally had a war to kill each other, right? Like, that was the whole conceit of Skull Island. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is, it's, it's, to me, it read as, like, a hated rivals, but I, I, like, I might hate you, but I respect you, and I'm not gonna watch you get beat up in an unfair fight. I'm gonna help you win that fight. And, like, I just, I love the way that it maps onto, like, a really cool wrestling booking. Because I could see that sort of a match, even if it's not, like, even if the, you know, best two out of three is over the course of multiple months, right? Like, you develop this grudging respect for each other, and then, like, when the time comes, you realize, we're not that different. We're both just trying to do what's right. Let's fight. Together. Because together, we prevail. And like, that was, that was cool. I thought that movie was a lot of fun. I was Team Kong oh, yeah. all the way. I'm Team Goji all day, every day, so. I know you are. <laughs> like, I was just missing the Godzilla theme, you know? Yeah, like, they, they, they played, played around it, with it they, too much. They used it as a motif briefly. Yeah. But, but it, it was barely recognized. I just, you know, when I see a Godzilla movie, I expect to hear... And, like, I want that to happen as part of the fights. Because it's what I expect from Godzilla. It didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, like, I thought the whole movie was really enjoyable. I had a blast with that movie. It was kind of like an episode of Dynamite in that it didn't feel like two hours. Wait, that was two hours? Yeah, that was a two-hour movie, Cat. And then I put on <laughs> another two-hour movie where we watched Fast Five. I'm fine with that. That did not feel like a two-hour movie. That was no. so good. Oh, my God. Okay, I know there's a lot of things to criticize about, like, the uh, the human-centric plot. And I'll admit, it is not what I would consider to be, like, the... It's not what I would consider to be a classic Godzilla movie. Right? Like, there are... There are... Godzilla movies that have this, like... I don't... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, a moral message? Yes, but, like, Shin Shin Godzilla and original Gojira both have, like, this... Maybe the word I'm... Like, a gestalt to them. Okay. Like, this... Like, obviously, they have individual parts that make them good. Mm. But, like, every Godzilla movie has the parts that make it good. Every, 
you know, kaiju movies like that. But like, you know, Pacific Rim was similar, but I think in an, in a way it lacked gestalt in the same way that fear of atomic devastation isn't part of the American movies. That's for sure a huge part. Yeah. Like the closest thing that America has had to a disaster on the scale that would elicit like a cultural reaction cultural reaction that could be personified as a kaiju attack is 9/11. And mm-hmm. boy howdy do I not want to see a 9/11 American Godzilla movie. Yeah. Yeah, that that would not be done well. No, because, like, this country was all flags and jingoism. Yeah. Everyone wanted to go to war to kill someone because they were mad. I mean, like, no. everyone being a relative cultural zeitgeist, there were obviously people who were against the Iraq War, who were against the war in Afghanistan, everything like that. It potentially would need to be Rodan. Yeah. That was basically the Transformers movies, yeah. Yeah, that was the Transformers movies. And, like, they weren't good. No. Which, you can see from that, like, the the intensity with the Japanese movies where this cultural thing that happened not only crushed the com- the country as a whole, but you know, they after that they had the American occupation. Mm-hmm. They had like censorship of media mm-hmm. where they couldn't critique what was happening to them. Right. It's like a very so, fascinating way to like examine that shared cultural trauma. Because ultimately the good the not the good, the great Godzilla movie. Because all of the movies are good, right? Like they're all enjoyable, even if they're just monster fights. Or, like, weird little tiny twins singing a song about Mothra. Even the kids' movies have their moments. <laughs> There's that, like, essence to the great Godzilla movies that are a way to heal a shared trauma. Mm-hmm. In, and, sorry, go ahead. In the original Godzilla movie, about two-thirds of the way through, there's that scene of the Japanese Air Force actually driving off Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So Godzilla being this representation of nuclear warfare and, by extension, the U.S. Mm-hmm. being driven off by the Japanese Air Force was said to elicit like standing ovations in the theaters it was played in from the viewing audience right like it's it's this like there's there's a lot to be said for movies that are designed helps to help a country heal from a shared trauma just like mm-hmm. shin godzilla like the the way that like shin godzilla is so brilliant is like each of those different evolutions when Godzilla goes from stage to stage to stage, represents something like it, it. It's all like representative of the different stages of the earthquake and subsequent tsunami, 
that like is a very recent shared cultural trauma for Japan. Mm-hmm. And the way that like you see um God, ooh, what's their names? Um The second form. Um I can't remember. I don't remember either. I, I only ever remember Kamada-kun, so. Yeah, Kamada-kun is the second form. The first form is in the water. Right, yes. Second Kamada-kun form is Kamada-kun. Is the, is the tsunami itself. Third like, form. Kamada-kun like like in essence, like, like the obvious first form is the earthquake itself. Kamada-kun comes and represents the tsunami, which is why, like, the gills bleed everywhere, and like, there's he he moves the same way that it, like that a swell from a risen sea would move. Like when you have a tsunami, it's not always just one big wave. It's that the destruction comes from the rapidly moving, like rise in water level. And the way that Kamada-kun just, like, shuffles and slides across the ground is very reminiscent of a wave and, like, the watery destruction that comes out of the gills and everything like that. It's very evocative of this tsunami. And then it keeps evolving, and you have the fourth form of Godzilla that's just this... Shinagawa... I think it's Shinagawa-san. Oh no, Shinagawa-kun is the middle one. Is the third form. Yeah. Um, Shinagawa-kun, I don't exactly know where this map's in the metaphor. It's that Shinagawa-kun was like the really calm one that stood there for days. Right. And you're just waiting for something to happen. Right, right, right. That was the, that was the like the period where they were trying to do something to stop it, right? They were trying mm-hmm. to do something to prevent this from getting worse. That's the period where the water damage hadn't quite caused a full reactor meltdown in Fukushima yet, right? Yeah. That, that's what it is. And then the fourth form, Kamakura-san. Thank you, Moki, for the help. Kamakura-san <laughs> is, that, is the meltdown in Fukushima in like such a way that it's like, this is such a wide-scale disaster. There's still places. There's a Sonic the Hedgehog theme park that's just deserted. It's very, like... The, the human toll that it takes is something that's a very powerful shared trauma. And to be able to, like, cope with that and say, we've defeated this thing that beat us down... But the specter still remains, particularly with uh, Shin Godzilla's fifth form being the people that it absorbed and Godzilla-fied. Yep. That, that final shot on the tail and everything. Creepy as fuck. And I mm-hmm. love it. But like mm-hmm. the way that that is so representative of the threat still being there. Right? Things may have been contained. Things may be okay now. But there's still this deep threat I think we are it's just that it's not coming out soon so 
all Toho Godzilla sequels are kind of like Schrodinger sequels. They are and aren't happening at the same time. Right. <laughs> at all times, regardless if they get canceled or greenlit or anything. Because, like, I think they've talked about doing further films, but it's limited by the contract that they have with Legendary Entertainment. Yeah. Legendary showed up and got the rights to use those characters for this period of time. Now that that initial agreement should be done with Godzilla versus Kong. Right. Or so, so like, they're not doing a direct sequel to Shin Godzilla, but yeah. they're building up like a Gojira cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Which I think is going to. It's similar to the way that the Legendary Pictures, like, Monsterverse is working right now. But I think it'll be a uniquely Japanese take on that in a way that'll probably be a little bit more evocative because I don't think. The way that the American films have always been produced is, in essence, that they. It's. There's no similar terror to draw from so it's just monster destroy it's hey look how cool this destruction is or hey look how cool this fight is yep it's very like one dimensional in it in a way that like i'll still watch it i'll still most of the time enjoy it certain exceptions apply Um, Zilla being a whole other thing that we have going on that I'll just ignore. Mm-hmm. But there's something, like, very unique to the style of storytelling, and, like, I would be interested... Zilla and his fish. This is a Zilla and the fish. Um... I'd be interested to see what kind of, like... I guess they'd bring back, like, Biolant. Biolante? Yeah, or, like, um... Well, Biolante was a very specific monster. Yeah. And how she was told, because... Very much she was, like, the soul of a doctor's daughter. Right, but you can retcon all of that. You can, but... Like, what... What other... I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, what... Kaiju you would bring back, you know? Uh, like, for the American ones? Or, or... like, one to kind of represent, like, COVID. Oh, um... Hadora. Right. Smog monster. Where people literally drop dead in the streets as he passed by. Right, Hedora with his sign that says, I'm not sorry for anything. No. <laughs> Hedora is very much a man-made problem. Right. It's... But, like, Hedora is a pollution thing, right? Like... Yes. We've never had... It could be 
rework that that one you could rework into more of a viral issue potentially i just i don't think caesar's the right one to bring back king caesar oh god uh. like he's just such a it's just it doesn't I, I don't I don't know I don't I don't think it's a good ball like the neutral choices are always going to be Ghidorah and Gigan because they're they're alien creatures mm -hmm. so they have no sense or motivation that would make sense to people of earth anyway so you don't have to worry as much about that okay but, but what they don't about do very well for current issues yeah no like i want to like if we were to like fan cast a godzilla movie to like represent our global shared trauma around covid mm -hmm. like it you would almost have to be a new kaiju. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's something that the majority of the world hasn't dealt with in a hundred years. Right? Like... And even then, we weren't as connected. No, it was... Uh, the world was much more spread out. I'm trying to think of, like, who who would... And the question is, like, how would you... Like a swarm, yeah. Yeah, like I guess it would have to be like a swarm style, like like a like a hive mind kind of creature. More kind of like um the parasite things mm -hmm. that fell off of the Cloverfield monster. Right. Yeah, like, I guess Cloverfield exactly. might be a better franchise to explore that trauma with then i don't know I, I think it's like very interesting i don't know you know who they should bring back though jet Patrick? jaguar there's been talk for the past 10 years of a jet jaguar show <laughs> netflix supposedly wants one i mean so. netflix will do something about it but like cancel it after once Hey, Aaron, it's nine o'clock. We just <laughs> talked about Godzilla for like half an hour. Yep. Oh, that's right. We were going to talk a chalking off. Right. I got there eventually. What so were we going to talk about? We're, we're going to jock off about. If you have Disney Plus, you should be watching the new Mighty Duck series. I swear to God. It is better than any Marvel property in the last 10 years. With the exception of maybe Black Panther. Maybe Ant-Man. No, Ant -Man. the exception of Black Panther, I would... Black Panther is a whole different thing because Black Panther has a very special and, like, really important meaning to a culture that's not mine, which is why I, you know, I'm not gonna... It's a very okay. important movie. Okay, fair. But Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, is... Perfect. There's a character on the team who's a 
girl in the girl in their school who wears elven cloaks to school and brings nunchucks with her to hockey practice. She's amazing, and I love her. <laughs> also, um, uh, fucking, uh, I forget which one it is. I think it's Jonesy. Might be Riley. Those are the most hockey player names I've ever heard. I don't remember which one's which. No, okay. It's, uh, it's Riley. Riley from Letterkenny is the coach of the current iteration of the Ducks. Okay. So it's, it's interesting to have that little bit of Letterkenny crossover there. Um, but yeah, so, so watch Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Um, go like my selfie because my eye makeup looks great. And anything else that you had to talk about, Aaron? Because I've got a I headache. Did- I have a recommendation for this week. I'm just going to throw it up real quick. Just a really good match to go back. Kind of what we were talking about earlier with uh, the veterans and the younger guys and not giving up the spotlight to hold either back. What it is, is what this is, is Bret Hart and the 123 Kid Mm -hmm. from an episode of Raw that caused Macho Man Randy Savage, who was doing commentary at the time, to give a standing ovation at the end of it. Nice, nice, nice. Yep. I I don't have anything else. We want to end the show? I think we should end the show. Okay, then I will bid you all adieu. Goodbye. Mwah. Hag Pesach Sameach. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Are we live on the right channel now? It looks like we are. Okay. Are we on Sosa's now? We are. Yeah, no. What do I have up then? Why do I have... Huh? But the broadcaster says so says me. Oh, you guys were chatting. You guys were chatting in my channel and I had the ugh. Oh boy. Oy, cavol. All right. There's not enough <laughs> wine for this.